worship. And as I get started, I just want to say, uh, if you are new with us and you're just checking things out, uh, man, we are so happy you're here. If you're interested in finding out more about the church or being more involved with the church, um, I really want to encourage you to turn to the third page of your bulletin and text or give uh, Brian Loctus, uh, who is uh, the elder on call this week, a, um, a call or a text. And just ask for more information. This is a great church. This is a great community of people. And so much of what makes it great is not us, but it's actually God's work in us and through us. And we would love for you to be a part of that. Um, that being said, for the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as we're going through it, the very beginning of it is uh, Jesus' teaching on what's called the Beatitudes or the blessings. These are divinely giving blessings that God gives to his people. And you're hearing from Jesus what he thinks the Christian life is supposed to look like, be like, feel like. And he says some of the strangest things. He says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. That the people who are empty will be filled. The people who are sad will be made glad. And that actually the sense of emptiness and the sense of sadness may actually be the sign that God is at work in their life and blessing them. Which might be strange to hear, right? One guy put it like this. He said, whatever else they may be, the Beatitudes, these blessings, are called to us to see ourselves. To live with ourselves in a way that probably doesn't come easily to most of us. Can I get an amen, right? And to give up on the job that's generally dear to us. The job of getting ourselves into a position where we can see ourselves in a good light. Christian righteousness or rightness with God does not feel like righteousness. And we should not devote our energy to bringing ourselves into a position that feels right. It's when we feel ourselves to be poor, humiliated, desperate, and all the rest of it that we qualify for the label blessed. So as we go through this, if what we're talking about sounds strange to you or if it makes you feel a little uncomfortable, like, man, this is not the way that I thought life with God was supposed to feel like or be like, uh, then you're in good company. None of this comes naturally to anyone. That this is actually God's blessing of his people. And yet if we have ears to hear, I pray that we would hear that this is God's blessing for us today too. So this is God's word. One simple sentence from the Lord Jesus himself. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let me pray for us and we get started. Uh, Jesus, (laughs) you give us a life that we would not probably take for ourselves. Um, But Lord, you give us your life and you give us yourself. And Lord, I pray, uh, God, that you would help us to forego all the maps that we might have of what we think the good life would be like, all the ways that we'd imagined or dreamed that it might be. Um, So many of those things are stuff that we've cooked up or things that have been handed to us that other people have cooked up. But Lord, I pray that you would really and truly guide us in all truth, that you would guide us to yourself, that you would guide us through life as a good shepherd, as a good husband, as a good friend. Someone who's been before us and is a pioneer. Lord, someone who loves us and knows exactly how hard life can be. And yet is with us in all the ups and downs of life. Because you are for us, guiding us. Lord, be with us today and guide us into all truth. Guide us into all wisdom. Guide us into the blessing that you have for your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you ever fantasize about winning the lottery? Like, do you ever drive by one of those, like, gas stations that's got, like, the scratch-off stuff on it? 
Or maybe you're filling up and you're like, man, like, should I go in and get a ticket? Like, there's a lot of money at stake, right? Like, how great would it be to suddenly come into all that kind of money? I mean, think about the possibilities that would open up for you to be able to do whatever you wanted to do. I mean, you could quit your job. You could buy a new house. You could travel. You could pay off you know, whatever debt you had, whatever loans you had. You had the power to get whatever you wanted, however you wanted it, right? Like, that's the promise of the lottery, isn't it? And how great would that be? And we think about it and we fantasize about it. Because it seems like, man, that would be awesome to have that kind of power in our lives, wouldn't it? That kind of freedom. It doesn't always work out that way, though, does it? There was a story uh, a few years ago about a lady named Sharon Turabisi. She's a single mom. She won the lottery, came out to something about t- like $10 million. And like any of us could do, she came into all this money so suddenly and she suddenly spends it on a big house and fancy cars, designer clothes, lavish parties. She gives handouts to her family that are in need, loans to friends that need it. And in less than a decade after winning this $10 million, she's back to riding the bus and working part-time and living in a rented house. I mean, she had all the power that comes from winning the lottery. And when she could use it any way that she wanted to use it, she lost it. And the same thing could happen to you and me, couldn't it? I mean, there's so many stories like that because it's so hard to manage our power, to manage our opportunities, to use them in the ways that we want to use them. A guy named Justin Early wrote a book that I would highly recommend to anybody. Um, It's called The Common Rule. And it's basically about how to live the Christian life in the modern world. And he says this. He says, what if the good life, the life of substance, fullness, satisfaction, doesn't come from having the ability to do what we want, but from having the ability to do what we were made for? I'd live my whole life thinking that all limits ruin freedom when all along it's been the opposite. The right limits create freedom. Look, what I want to suggest to you this morning is that the good life that Jesus is offering to you and to me the life of blessing, the life of fullness, the life of really life with one another and with God is life lived within certain boundaries. It's our time, it's our energy, it's our talents, our opportunities directed and guided in a particular way. And I know that as I say that, it's so hard for us that we tend to think that the good life comes when I live life in whatever way I choose to live it. Which, you know, usually involves zero limits on what I desire and how I spend money, how I spend time, how I spend opportunity or power. But what the Lord Jesus is offering us today is to use our power and our freedom to find the good life. To find a life within limits and to find it in a meek life. So what is meekness then? What is meekness? Do you ever think about the compliments that you want to get? Do you ever think about those compliments? I had a friend uh, a few years ago. He was from the north, and he came down to the south to work with Southerners. And uh, he was kind of this fish out of water, kind of outside observer of what it's like to be around Southern people. And we were kind of catching up after a while. And I asked him, man, how's it going? Like, what do you think it's like to be with Southern people? Because he was like in like the delta of Mississippi, like the real south, right? And... (laughs) I, he, he was reflecting on it. He was telling me, you know, I've learned that the thing that every Southern man wants to hear is that he's a laid back guy. 
Like that's all they want is just to be known as this chill, laid back guy. And no one had ever phrased it to me like that before. But as soon as he said it as a dude from Alabama, I was like, oh, yeah. But no one had ever called me that. (laughs) I mean, it's like this compliment that you want to get. And there are all kinds of compliments like that. But there are also compliments that maybe you don't want to get. And maybe meekness would be that for you, right? Like if someone called you meek, would that be a compliment to you? Or would that be maybe more of like a backhanded insult? Like they probably think that I'm not somebody who's very strong or very assertive. And yet Jesus offers it to us as this blessing. Look, meekness is not about being weak. Meekness is about being strong and using that strength in the service of God. It's about receiving what God has for us in his time and his way. Meekness is not just about passively submitting to whatever happens in my life. But meekness is saying, these are my circumstances and I'm going to actively move into them and embrace whatever comes my way. And as I do so, I'm going to seek to move into these things with a character that's shaped by God. It's this active thing. It's this powerful thing. Meekness is clinging to God and following God no matter what happens to us. It's not rough or angry or bitter in the face of hardship or disappointment. Instead, meekness is kind and accepting and patient and moving towards the low places, the humble places, with a character that's shaped by the Lord himself. Have you ever gone and seen like a good therapist or a good counselor? Man, I have. And I'll tell you, it is so, so helpful. And part of the power of that and the beauty of it is that you're sitting there with this person and you're in this room and it's just you and this person across from you. And they have this immense power in your life. I mean, you're spilling your guts to this person. You're telling them your secrets, things you would never say to other people. And they're sitting there and they're quietly, thoughtfully listening. And they're taking years of experience and years of training And having sat across from people just like you and heard stories just like your story. And so much of what they're doing seems so quiet. It seems so passive. And yet that person has the power to pull things out of you and pull things out of your story and bring healing to your life that you never thought could ever be there. Because they've got this immense power And yet they're using this in this very quiet, intentional way. And it's a picture of meekness. Look, to be meek is to submit your talents, your wisdom, your energy, your time to doing God's work in God's way. It's not grasping after power or position or wealth or legacy. It's not about looking to be noticed. But it's about walking into a room and saying, what can I do to serve these people? What can I do to go low, to lift these people high? Look, someone who is meek is a servant of God. Listens to God. Follows God as a servant. Quietly and without resistance. And yet they possess this incredible power as they do so. Do you know who Michael Strahan is? I know, right? He's a talk show host on Good Morning America. He's super winsome, very funny, uh, really smart. Seems like this gentle, kind-hearted guy. He's wearing, like, at 8 a.m., like, pastel shirts and showing America how to make the best macaroni and cheese. Do you know that he was on, in the NFL before he was on TV? Like, he's considered one of the all-time great defensive ends. 
He has the NFL single-season sack record, uh, and he won the uh, NFL 2000s All-Decade team. He's on that team. He was inducted in the Football Pro Hall of Fame in 2014. I mean, Michael Strahan used to explode people on the football field. He was so strong, so dominant. He's this incredibly powerful man, and yet he's wearing these pastel shirts and making mac and cheese and harnessing this power and this strength and this sharpness of mind in order to be gentle and kind and warm and welcoming. And it's this picture of meekness. Look, you may not feel like it right now, but you have so much power in the lives of the people around you. When you go to work, you have so much power. When you wake up in the morning, you have so much power to make a day or to take a day away. So much power to lift up a child. So much power to care for an older person in your life. You're made in the image of God, which is an incredible, powerful thing. It's like you won the lottery. But at the same time, you and I are also broken by sin. Which means that our inclination is to use the power that's God given us, that God has given us in a way that we think is best, which is usually about us and our self-interest, to get what we want out of life. But when we do that, things go off the rails pretty quickly, don't they? I mean, when you get to do what you want to do in your life, and you get to say whatever you want to say to the person that's closest to you, I mean, it's like you, you destroy them, don't you? Or you feel destroyed by them. Like when you fly off the handle and you use your power in the way that you want to use it, man, it's like this wrecking ball goes through your house. Or goes through your place of employment. To use our power in the way that we want to use it. Without being harnessed to the character and the power of God. Is just a recipe for disaster. And there's so many ways to talk about this. This is not at all a a commentary on the policies of the church. I wasn't even involved in any of the conversations. So I'm I'm sure the elders thought deeply about this. But why do you think it's so hard for us sometimes to wear a face mask? In public, Like when you walk into a grocery store or when I walk into a grocery store and I don't want to wear one. I mean, I had it was incredibly rude to a lady at Trader Joe's a couple of months ago about this. Like, why is it so hard to do that? Is that about politics? Is that about inconvenience? Or is it an issue of meekness? Like I have the power to do what I want to do in my life and I'm not going to let anyone Tell me how to use that power. I'm not going to submit that power to anyone else no matter what. Or think about it like this. We live in a time and a place where there's an almost intense fanaticism about politics and social issues. Where someone on the other side of the aisle isn't just maybe wrong. But the way they can be framed is that they're they're actually bad or they're evil. And that if you have a different view than me on some of these things, maybe you're trying to oppress me or hurt me. And often the only answer is to try to take them down. I mean, if you doubt that, spend like five minutes on Twitter. Is that an issue of pure morality? Is that an issue of politics? What I want to suggest to you is that maybe Jesus would say that's a meekness issue. That if someone disagrees with you or ignores you, uh, then you smash them. Or you rant about them on Facebook. Basically take your power and use it to get what you want in your way and just bulldoze the people in your life. 
And this is not a new problem. This is not an us problem. This is an old problem. This is an everyone problem. I mean, think about Jesus. He's sitting on this mountaintop giving this sermon. He's surrounded by these people who want to take him and forcefully make him king so that he can use his power and his wits and his abilities to kick the Romans out and to make Israel as great as they think Israel should be. And he's telling them, you got to be meek. I'm not going to do that. I'm a servant. I'm patient. Like I know that as we talk about this, whoever you are, wherever you're coming from, it is hard not to force your way when you have the chance. And to that, the Lord Jesus would say, I want to bless you. I want to bless you by making you meek. Like I want to bless you so that you can put your hand to something good and be a part of God's kingdom. But to do that, you've got to be given this blessing that only God can give. Which is to use your power in a way that you actually get to do good in the world. And care for people and love people as a servant. Look, to do that, you've got to have your character and your power harnessed to God, His character. It's like, have you ever been over at the beach? And you kind of hear this low, like in the sky. And you look up and it's one of those uh, Navy jets coming over from like Jacksonville. And sometimes it'll turn and you'll see on the side of this jet, like the Sidewinder missiles. And you're just like, man, that is so cool. Like that thing could go, you know, three, maybe four times faster than the speed of sound and blow all the windows in the city of Wilmington. It's got these missiles on it that can just like blow up tons of buildings. It's this $90 million hypersonic killing machine, right? It's awesome. It's so powerful. And yet none of its power matters a lick if it's not responsive to the pilot that's guiding it, right? Like otherwise, why would you ever get in that thing? It's insane. Like you want a jet that can fly in the way that you want it to fly. Because it's so powerful. And so it is with us and God. Look, that jet is only free to be that jet when it actually submits to the one who sits in it. You and I are only free to be the people that God made us to be when we submit our lives to living out God's will and God's way with Him. And meekness is Jesus' blessing in the midst of our world's brokenness. In a world that is striving after power, striving after position, it's His answer to these things. That to receive God's blessing, you actually have to be with Jesus. Know Jesus. To become humble and lowly and actively serving other people regardless of your position. And what I want to say to you is that as you find that, you will find an incredible freedom too. An incredible freedom and meekness. Look, are you ever hard on yourself? Like, are you ever just... Maybe nobody can be a bigger critic of you than you are. I can lie awake in bed like 3 a.m. sometimes and just flay myself for things I've said or things I should have done or things I didn't do. And we can be such harsh critics of ourselves. Do you know what a meek person would say to their sort of self-criticism? What's the freedom they would have? Like they could listen to that criticism, that internal critic kind of going and ranting at them and say, yeah, okay. Maybe you have a point in some of that. But you know what? I'm God's servant. And I'm God's child. And my power to judge me doesn't belong to me. It actually belongs to God. 
who judged his son so that I would not be judged. And if God has said that there's no judgment for me, then who am I to heap judgment on myself? Like, there's an incredible freedom and meekness. That sounds like a blessing, doesn't it? Okay, well, how would I get that? Do you know that there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus actually describes himself? Only one time. In Matthew 11, he's praying to his father, and you actually get to hear kind of eavesdrop on Jesus' prayers. He's praying, saying, Father, thank you that you've hidden the things of the kingdom from the wise and discerning. You revealed them to little children. And then he looks out over the crowd, and it's like he is suddenly praying. He's like, oh, there you are. And he looks at these people, and he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that same word for lowly in heart is meek. That Jesus looks at himself, he says, I have a meek heart, and I want to give you a meek heart. Look, you see that Jesus didn't understand that his life wasn't about himself, and so he could give up power. He was free from power. He could give up freedom. He could be criticized when he'd done nothing wrong. He could be hated when he'd done nothing but love. I mean, just think about what he says here about the meek inheriting the earth. Like, how does someone inherit something? They inherit something because the person who owned it died. When you inherit something, do you inherit something that you worked for? You inherit something that someone else worked for and they give it to you. Jesus died so that you could become like him and receive what he has. Which means that to be a Christian, you don't have to work to be worthy of love. Because Christ has loved you and given you himself. So you don't have to strive after love. Love is already yours. To be a Christian means you don't have to seize power to get what you need. But you can serve people and love the people in your life who work with you or your family out of the freedom of knowing that God sees you and he will work all things to your good. That even if it means you're in this low position now, this bottom position now, and it feels like nobody sees you, God sees you and he will work these things to give you what is yours in due time. That to be one of God's people means that he is the one who gives the blessing of meekness. That he's the one who bestows this. So he's going to use his power to set you free and to bring you to a place of rest. And he's going to do that by making you like himself, gentle and lowly in heart. That he'll free you from having to save yourself. He'll free you from having to prove yourself. Then when you come to him by faith, he will bless you with a heart that is like his heart. He's going to bless you by putting on his yoke, this bar that the oxen used to have. That they would pull together as they plowed a field. Which means that he's going to burden you with what burdens him. And as he does so, it's going to be like he hands you a non-burden. Like, let me burden you with the joy of not caring what other people think. Let me burden you with the freedom of not having to prove yourself. Let me burden you with the freedom of being able to walk into a room and not having to say the thing that's funny or the thing that's smart or be the center of attention, but actually be able to be free to love people and serve people regardless of what they think of you. Like, let me free you and put that burden on your life. Look, he's going to give you the good work that he's received from his father. And he's going to work alongside of you in the lives of the people here. 
He's going to show you how to use your power and your freedom for something beyond yourself. Something beyond entertainment. Something beyond making money. Look, if you always need people to like you, you'll always be grasping for approval. If you always need to be in charge or need to be in control, you'll always be grasping for power. But Jesus' yoke is the yoke of the Father's love. It's the yoke of God loving you and giving you everything in Him. And when you have that kind of burden, you don't need anyone else's approval. You don't need any other kind of power. When you know that the Father loves you and has given you all things to the Son, you don't have to grasp for control. But you can serve in a gentle and humble way. That to be blessed by Him and to enter into His meekness is to find the work that you're always meant to do. It's to be burdened by His yoke and to be bound to the one that you're always meant to be bound to. Somebody once said it's like wings for a bird. It's like sails for a ship. It's true freedom. It's the burden that you were always meant to bear. And you and I, we are so afraid that unless you grasp after power, unless we assert ourselves, we'll have nothing. But Jesus Christ says, come and be meek with me. Be low and you will have everything. You will inherit the whole earth. You will be with my Father. Because to know Jesus, to know his Father, to be indwelt by his Spirit is to become humble and gentle. It's the rest that you seek. It's the end to all your striving. It's the only burden that's easy. It's the only service that's freedom. And God himself will give that to you because he loves you and blesses you by making you like himself. I want to end with this. Like, I know that this is not easy stuff to wrap it up and think about. And I know that none of this really comes naturally to any of us. It doesn't come naturally to me. But there's a story that can help be helpful. Jack Nicholas, you know, the great golfer, he was so dominant, he was killing it in the golf world. Do you know at the end of every season, he would go back to the country club where he would kind of play golf? And he would go to the guy that taught him how to play. And he would go at the end of every season, he would hand the guy that taught him how to play golf from when he was five his golf clubs. And he said, Teach me how to hold a club. And the guy would say, Okay. And he would hand Jack back his club. And he'd say, you put your hands like this. And Jack would position his hands and he'd say, now swing back. And he would swing and he'd that's all wrong. Jack Nicholas, most dominant golfer on the planet, that's wrong. And he would readjust his grip and they would just learn how to swing the club again and again and again. And what I want to say to you is, <laughs> you may have been around stuff your whole life. And then a Christian, your whole life, and you hear these things, and you're like, oh, man, this is natural or easy. I don't say, oh, me too. But to gain it, we have to go to the Master. We've got to come to Jesus. And He will teach you the basics all over again.